All right, the light is on and we are off the bench coming to you on our tape delay on a very sunny Tuesday afternoon here on the heart of the capital region of Alberta. Uh, we're recording at 2.05 Mountain Standard Time in the afternoon. I'm your host, Nick Good, and not joined to my right by Adam Hundert. He is on vacation. He is away for the next two weeks or so, but I am joined by... Neil. Sitting in Adam's spot. Sitting in Adam's spot. Things are going to be maybe a little bit different for... Adam's in Greece, I think. Is that what you said? Yeah, Somewhere. he's in Crete, on the island of Crete. There we go. Uh, no email from him today, so it's just going to be the two of us. Yeah. We're going to do some pop culture stuff. We're going to talk about the Oscars. are coming up on Sunday. Um, but before that, obviously the NHL trade deadline was yesterday. So Neil and I, before I started recording, we're talking some hockey stuff. And you know how this stuff goes. You, you start talking about... <laughs> Past teams, we're talking about his historical stats, all this kind of stuff, and somehow we got into the topic of Eric Stahl scoring 100 points. Actually, I'll tell you how we got there because we were talking about scoring after the lockout, which we will dive into after. Yeah. And how it exploded the first two or three years after the lockout, yeah. and yeah, now, I would say it even bled like three years after. And now, ten years later, it's it's back regressed, to, and so well, Jamie Ben won with 87 points. Yeah. That uh, was that four years ago. Yeah, and then you know that was really the, the and Patrick Kane only one with, was the only one over a hundred. McDavid was the only one. That over was 100. The, the nadir, I would say, of the post lockout <laughs> yeah. scoring was when your Art Ross winner has eighty seven points. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so we're talking with Eric Stahl. He had a hundred points <clears throat> the first year after the lockout, and somehow we got to the topic of well, you had said how like, he's been he's been uh, steady, he's been consistent since then. Not not a hundred point player, but. Consistent about and eighty said, to seventy-five. Range. I said, "Oh, he got sixty-five points last year." I took him on my fantasy team, and you know, which everyone loves talking. Yeah, tell me more about your fantasy team. A great, great topic. But yeah, uh, and then Neil said, "Yeah," and then it, where he's on pace for that again, and he's you know only the sixth player in Minnesota Wild history to score thirty goals. So we thought, who are the other guys? So he found a Sparkle quiz online, and we're going to take it with you guys. It's only two minutes. It's only two minutes. Play along with us at home. But who are the six? Players they ever played for the Minnesota Wild yeah. to score thirty or more. Yeah, goals. he just became the sixth. If I'm not saying, we'll see after we take the quiz. Kay. But he will not be on the quiz. But we know that he just already scored his third. And we will. So. We promise you, we won't cheat because it's a two minute. Two quiz. minute quiz. We will not, We're just going to try. We will not cheat. All right, Neil and go. Oh. We're going to go Marion Gabrick, of course. We're going to put Gabrick in first. Gabrick. Uh, he did it three times. He did it three times. Okay. No, he did it five times. Five times, Marion Gabrick. He did five times. So that means he. That means Eric Stahl must have only become like the fifth guy to do it. Unless this might be an old quiz, but we'll figure it out. Okay. Mary Gravick though. 0102, 0203, 0506, 0607, 0708. Damn. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. 0506, Nick. 0506. What's our other guest? Andrew Burnett. Ooh. You'd pull that one up before. I did. Doesn't look like it. No. Nope. You said Rolston. Rolston. Though. Yeah, Brian Rolston. Oh, that's it. Okay, this is an old quiz. That's the quiz? Yeah, the old It's just Gabrick and Rolston. Gabrick and Rolston. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was a little anticlimactic. Yeah, that, that is not how I anticipated that. that to go. Sorry. <laughs> so that, since then, you're right. They had to have Parisi had more. must have done it. Parisi must have done it. Okay, I'm going to find it. Did, so, Sporkle? Why? That's so, what, update your quiz, how Sporkle. Did, how many times did Brian Rolston do it? The other three times. Whoa. <laughs> Hell of a player. <laughs> yeah. Hell of a player. Huh. All right, anyway. Well, anyway, I'm going to try and find it then. While you do that, so yeah, so we were, okay, NHL trade deadline yesterday, we can get into the whole minutia of the Oilers and, mm. 
<laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's you know, all you can do is that's all you can do is moan yeah. at this point. Frise got 33 goals, Nick. Okay, so yeah, Frise had to have Frise's done it. on there. Uh, yeah, but keep going with the okay, yeah. yeah. Um No, I'm not going to keep going with the right now because <laughs> it's just... Because it's hard. And that's part of the reason why I went back to the 05-06 season, back to the you know the good old days. Yeah. Even, though we, even though we weren't tearing up the league then, made to that Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you just look at the list. So the first year after the lockout... Joel Thornton wins the Art Ross Trophy, 125 points, mm-hmm. 29 goals, 96 assists. Yarmir Yager, 123 points, 54 goals. That's Alex Ovechkin, rookie year, 106 points, 52 goals. Danny Heatley playing with Daniel Alfredson, both of them with 103 points. Heatley with 50 goals. Uh, Crosby, 102 points in his rookie year. Eric Stahl, like we said, 100 points. Then you have Kovalchuk, 52 goals, 98 points. Mark Savard. 28 goals, 69 assists, 97 points for Mark Savard. Oh, yeah. For the Thrashers. My favorite. See, like, look at that. In the top 10, you have two guys in the Thrashers. Yeah. Savard. Okay, so this is interesting. So you have Savard, Kovalchuk, and then you have Jonathan Chichu, 93 points, rounding that out with 56 goals, winning the Rock Richard that year. Yeah. And Neil took a wild stab at to who, uh, to who was 11th that year in points. Who finished, who finished 11th in points that year? Marion Hossa. Marion Hossa, 92 points. Always. And we always talk about Marion Hossa. <laughs> the most underrated. He's going to score 600 goals. Yeah. And nobody has any idea that he is that close to that total. And, like, he's over 1,000 points. He plays the penalty kill. Like, Chicago, like, that's another underrated thing about, like, how good he's been out all year. Yeah. And, look, they're, I mean, he's older now, so I get it. But all of a sudden, they're not nearly as good. Hossa's like, out. Crawford's down. It's down, right? It's kind of funny. Like Guys like that go unappreciated by everybody else except the people that play with them because then they're like, yeah, he was probably the best player, right? And we talked about we talked about that a little bit before, but you had that Senators team when Dom Hasek was playing for them in 03 and they went relatively far in that playoffs and you had Marion Hosa on that team. Mm-hmm. And Heatley was on the Thrashers, and then they make that trade. And then, of course, the, 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 as we saw, you know, the Senators blow up. Heatley has 50 goals playing with Alfredson. Mm-hmm. They go to the Stanley Cup Final in 06, or in 07. The next year, they go to the Stanley Cup Final. Um, and that line dominates with Spezza, who, by the way, finished 14th with 90 points. 90 <laughs> So, that <laughs> year in 06. 90 points. Recently signed Brian Gionta, finished with 89 points that year. Is that the year he had 40? That was the year he had 48 goals. Come on. 48, 48 goals for, for Brian Gionta. 48 goals, 41 assists. Um, yeah, anyway, so, but we were talking about this. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, do you make that, do you make that Hosa for Heatley trade? We were saying no. In you, hindsight, I don't think you do. No, you keep Hosa. Right? Yeah. And that's in, in hindsight, and we'll be talking about this in 10 years. In hindsight, do you make the Pat Maroon trade for that third round pick? And JD Dudick. <laughs> JD Dudick. What a name. Hey, Dudick. In hindsight, you know, that third round pick, you know, everyone talks about how that Griffin Reinhardt pick turned into Matt Barzell. We could get the next Matt Barzell. And <laughs> looking back, like, remember when we traded back Pat Maroon and we thought it was shit? Yeah. What oh, was the one can dream? Well, that's because that used to be the old narrative. Like, man, remember, remember that second round pick we yeah. traded for Sergey Samsonov, and yeah. it was Milan Lucic. Aren't we happy we have him now? Right? Yeah, isn't that 
You know, how it all comes Samson around. Samsonov was sick, though. He was Samsonov sick. was so good in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, he's just this small little dude. Yeah, he looked yeah. kind of weird. He looked oh, like yeah. a little dwarf or something. Yeah, I don't know. And he had, like, big shoulder pads for, like, how small he was. How about this, Neil? So we're still in 05 06. Have you noticed 05 06, though? Like, no Oilers anywhere near no, the top. No, like, Sean Horkoff was our highest scoring player that year because he was our all star. Sean Horkoff had 73 points. Yes. And he was 43rd in scoring. <laughs> that was our highest player. And that would have won you like second place in their Art race, Art Ross, Art Ross race, like three years ago. ago. Yeah. How uh, funny is that though? So you just you'd see that we were just oh we were no just no 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 no. Our highest scoring Wait, Oiler was Alash Hemsky. Alash Hemsky. Seventy-seven right. points in eighty-one games. How many did Horkoff play? Horkoff played in seventy-nine games. Oh, Okay. Okay. Maybe I was thinking of a different year. I thought Horkoff like. There was one year he was at, he had like 55 points or something, and then he got hurt and he missed the rest of the year. 28th in scoring that year, Brian Rolston, 34 goals, <laughs> That's 79 right. points. There we go. But how about this one? This 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 is uh, what's impressive. Nick Lidstrom, 80 points. 80, <laughs> 80 points. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's, I think, what makes Carlson's 82 last year, even or like the two years or whatever mm-hmm. it was, even more impressive. Right. Like, he literally got 82 points when scoring is as low as it can be. And that's a D-man doing that. Oof. Well, yeah, it'd be two years ago now. I was I just guess, going right? to the next year, and I got a got an ad show up. Larry the Cable Guy, man. Got to get yeah. those tickets. Fuck's sake. Yeah. Um. So, for... To uh, update our current... It is five Minnesota Wild players. I don't know who the fifth is. That's our mystery. Our Eric Stahl is the fifth? Or Eric Stahl is the fifth. Okay. Fifth 30 goal scorer in their entire so history. So we've got Eric Stahl. We've got Brian, Brian Rolston. Marion Gabbard. And Zach Parise. And it's not Andrew Burnett? No. So I don't know who the fifth one is. This is now our new mystery. Well, listeners, if you know, yeah. slide into our DMs on Instagram and let yeah. us know. OTBcast. Oh, yeah. Because I'm curious now. Send us a picture of that mystery man. Yes. And we can post it. Um, so you go to the next year, right? We talk about 06, 07. Crosby wins the Art Ross. They with 120 points. Thornton again, 114. Cavalier 103. Danny Heatley, 105. 50 goals. Marion Hosa, 100, goal, or 100 points, 43 goals. Yes. Martin San Louis, 102 points. Skipped him. And Joe Sackett rounding up the 100-point club. With 100 again. With 100 points. Marion Hosa, 100. Was that the year we've talked about this? Is that the year Joe Sakic oldest player to score 100 points? Could be. Um, and then Yager again, 96. Mark Savard, 96. Danny Briere, 95. Danny Briere, 95 points. Yeah, and yeah, we talked about that. Hosa, 100 points that year, eh? 100 points, man. So, but anyway, so what is it? Is it? I mean, we talk. Everyone talks about how this era in the NHL, the most skill is in the league right now. So, is it just our goalies better? I, I can't believe that defensive systems have gotten so good. I think, it, I honestly, it just seems like watching games, they've just, they're not calling penalties Well, and I, and I think I would say, to, to the point of systems, though, like, they are a little bit better, and then the players are better. So they... Defensively. Yeah, and so they're, I think they're able to pick up the systems a lot mm. better, you know, because they're taught from an early age now that you have to play defense, too. So as skilled as they are offensively, you know, maybe back then they, there wasn't as a big of an emphasis on, like, hey, you have to be so-and-so responsible in your zone. Because I think... It was always the teams that you heard. You, the old adage in sports used to be like, well, if you're not as good as them, what do you do? You grind them out. You, you yeah. play defense. You block the shots because you're not going to beat them with your skill, right? Like, I mean, I heard this a million times. I never played on any good hockey teams. Yeah. So it was always like, how are you going to beat them, right? You're going to beat them by like basically just like not wilting like under the pressure that they're going to do because they just have so much more skill than you, right? Well, but, just- and I think that 
nowadays, like there, it's such an expectation for you to be able to take care of both sides of the of the zone that the players not only do you have high end skill players like McDavid, but they also have to be defensively responsible, which just in turn creates a lot harder to score, kind yeah. of. But but I would agree that you're right. I don't think they're calling as many penalties. They've kind of reverted back to this sort of the like, 90s style. Yeah, you can around. go willy nilly. Like you've seen how many times McDavid gets hacked, and it's and like I, I don't want to sound biased. It no, is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Though. Like it is. He got mauled in, in that, overtime in that Ducks game. Yeah, right, the guy was, jumped him from behind. It's on. It's like I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. Or like, like even earlier this year, like. Drysaddle comes into the zone against Kessler, and Kessler, you can hear the whack. The microphone picks up the whack, and it's like, and they're like, I didn't know like you, you could say quack quack with the stick because that's what he did, and no call. He like almost broke Drysaddle's stick. And, and you know, when I watched that, we I was at that Florida game a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and there's yeah on the power play like uh, McDavid ended up assisting on someone's goal. On the, on the play, but I watched him get hacked three times, and the ref standing right there. And like, I thought the edict at the start of the year was, was no, no more slashing. slashing. Well, so anyway, so quickly, I just want to go. So we talked about 0506. 0607 the next year, Crosby wins 120 points. Yeah. You have seven players with over 100 points. Okay. Next year, Ovechkin ends up winning the Art Ross, 112 Malkin. points, and Malkin, only two players over 100 points. Yeah. Crosby was hurt. But still, you have. Yeah. You still have a Ginlin with 50 goals. You have. Zetterberg with 43 goals, LeCavalier with 40, Kovalchuk 52, yeah. okay? And then the next... Kovalchuk always in there too, just with 47 Coming plus. back to the NHL? Yeah, I know. Uh, he's on the Olympics, he still has a shot. So he's going to help somebody's power play. 8 9 Malkin 113, Ovechkin 110, Crosby 103. Yeah. Right? But it's the same three players. Like, you know what I mean? We're per- laughing at it and it's just, there is no per- like... Per- easy 45 goals though. Oof. Jeff Carter, 46 goals <laughs> yeah. with 84 points. Yeah. Rick there, that's Nash, the drop off. Rick there. Nash way down there, forty. But goals. look at that drop off, right? Right. Like from one hundred thirteen, one ten. Like, oh man. So what? Like, what happened? Was it just everyone was just like on steroids after the <laughs> yeah. lockout? Like, we did that one year rest <laughs> them so well? That, <laughs> yeah. You know, and then the next year's Henrik Sedin, one hundred twelve, Crosby, one hundred nine, Ovechkin, one hundred nine, Backstrom, one hundred one, Stamkos, fifty one goals, ninety five points. Yeah. But Kovalchuk then it starts again. to go down quick. Marion Gabrick, forty two goals, like. <laughs> No, I know it's the same players though, which you would expect. But like, I find that when we look at that, see, this is where it really this, Daniel Sedin that ne- that year. What happened? One 2011. Sedin 104 points, San Luis 99, Perry 98, and then it's just junk, just a drop. Like, and this was the year that Crosby only got 66 points because he was in out like in 41 games, games or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah, he was on pace for 132 points. He's still on the first page. And he didn't even play half. He played half the season. Like Lubomir Vishnovsky finished 27th that year. <laughs> was like, that the year we had him? No, couldn't have been. No. no. I think he was playing for the Kings Kings still. But see. But then yeah. The next year, Malkin. Yeah, 109. we're back to like that only one guy gets 100. So what happened? Is it just like in, in that short. And it's been Malkin or Ovechkin or Crosby for that five, six year stretch, right? And this, the thing that sucks about it too. Can you find. Uh, after that, Malkin, where does it keep going? Like, when does, Which ben, year? when does Ben, like, only get 87? Oh, I think that's 2013, I want to say. Yeah, so, because where are you now when Malkin was the last 2012, one? 2012, 109, and then, oh, no, San Luis. Oh, that's the lockout. So, the, yeah. the, the shortened season, San Luis has 60 points in 48 games. <laughs> Which is... Which is prorated to what? 48, so it's close to 110, right? If he were to play 82, or oh, 102 points. 102, yeah, I guess. Still... 
Still pretty good, but only just barely. Stamkos, though, he had... The most impressive from the lockout is Ovechkin. 32 goal. goals in 48 <laughs> games. People tell me he's yeah. not the greatest goal scorer of all time. And he's, all, he's already beaten last year. Yeah. He's, I don't want to go on this rant, because I don't think I, it's falling deaf ears. You agree with me. Yeah. He is the greatest goal scorer ever in the history of the NHL. Yeah. Don't give me your Rocker Richards. Don't give me your Mike Bossies. Don't give me your, even your Brett Gretzky's. Halls. Yeah. Pure goal scoring, putting the puck Look in the net. That. That's I'm it. not saying he's the best player ever. I'm not no, saying he's yeah. the he's the best. But he point is the best at putting the puck in the net. At scoring goals, and the thing about it is he does it from the same spot every, every single fucking time. time. Nobody can stop him. I know it's weird. It's like he don't even try anymore. I know. What's the point? He's I gonna know. get it through anyhow. <laughs> you, I'm not. I'm not. It's one thing I've never I'm understood not about blocking him. a Alex Ovechkin's <laughs> slap shot. Forget yeah. it. I just love it. He comes down the wing, or he shoots it through the guy's legs, and it goes top shelf, and like he, yeah, he does a little gets weird. Little, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. It's so impressive. Yeah. So then the year after the lockout. So 14 must have been the year. Oh no, Crosby 104 points. That's when it was because he was the only one, right? Getzlaff 87. Like, See, Crosby beat him by 17 points, man. Blew him away. That's All crazy. Points that year. See, that's when it gets wild because you're like, okay. So it's 2015. Jamie Ben 87 points. <laughs> so I don't know what happened. Tavares, your boy. I know. He he blew it. Yeah, but even had Crosby a had a bad year. Game. So if Crosby plays the whole season, he probably wins. Yeah, he, he missed five games. Missed that's five enough. Games. Ovechkin though, 81 and 81. It was really it 53 was... goals. <laughs> That's what I love. No one else is even close to him. No, I know. Like 53 goals. The next closest guy is Tavares at 38. In like in the top 10 or whatever. 15 more goals than him. I know. I love it. It's so funny. And no one else is even close. Man. Not even close. Rick Nash, 42. Oh, I love the Nick Backstrom. The, like you can tell who fed him. 18 goals, 60 assists. <laughs> 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 oh, I, I I always love that argument too. Well, no, Avechkin's not. It's it's Backstrom who's the player. Mm. Backstrom's the one setting him up. Mm. All Stop. right, okay. all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helps, but of course it helps. But that good playing with good players will get your points. Joe Pavelski, thirty-seven goals. Thirty-seven. Yeah. See. So sorry, I, I was mistaken. The closest guy was Rick Dash with forty-two goals. But four, but he's still, still eleven. Ten, back. Yeah, like. Yeah, so then, this was so. This is the year everyone was down, right? This is '87. So I guess. So I the next year was it? Was the next we're year? Going, we're going on. We're going on a tangent, but I just. Yeah. I'm just curious. Like, how well, it showed, can like, we, can we definitely showed the progression, though. It was like 100, 100, and then like you, you might get the odd guy. Crosby had 104. Next guy had 87. Can right? you get back there? Is my question. Is what I really yeah. want to get. Because then I even when Kane to. won, if I'm not mistaken, he had 100 and something. Like the next guy was only at like 90. It was a similar spread. It was like. Right? Panarin had like 77 points or whatever it was. Well, Patrick Kane had 106. Ben had 89. 89. See? Thank you. 15 And points. Crosby had 85 points. in 80 games. Yeah. So Crosby had a down year. That was a down year for him. Yeah. Fifth. <laughs> Fifth that year. Eric Carlson. 82 points that's, in 82 games. That's what I said, man. That's my most impressive stat ever. And then you're right. Panarin had 77 points 77 in 80 points. games. Now. <laughs> so it shows you that like yeah. everybody else is there. And then one person might have that year, right? So then what? This happened a couple. So times then what now. was it? Why did we have all those guys after the lockout? Like getting a hundred? Were points, they that much better? Getting fifty goals, like they're going out of style. Like you can't tell me Eric Stahl in 20, 2006 is better than like Nikita Kucherov is now. No, not even Nikita Kucherov. Like John Tavares is now. Like yeah. you're saying, if 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 Eric Stahl in 06 could get hundred points, Tavares is a worse like. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm trying to figure out how to because we want to get back there. Everyone wants to get back there. Because yeah, want, I want guys getting 100 points. I do too. Like five, I I want points. Ovechkin and or sorry, I want like McDavid and Crosby coming down to the wire, each having like a four point night. Right? Isn't that what happened? Yeah, it was. It was I remember that used to be. Or if you think of like Joe Thornton and Yammer Yager when they yeah. won it, they were like going back and forth the whole year, and they got to like 115 points, and they were each at like that total. Yeah, like. You know, and it's funny actually. Thornton played one less game too. Yeah, but he only beat him by two. Yeah, like that's the way it should be. Like, and it's a high total. See, the crazy thing about it too, though, that I find impressive. Which did Yager win the Hart Trophy that year? No, he won the Lester. Which he should have, because the thing is, is like, so you have Thornton with 125 points, and then yeah. you have Chichu. He had the 56 Six goals. goals. Yager's up there. There's no one else on the Rangers who's up there. No, anywhere. Yeah, like. Thornton won the heart, but then Yager won the one voted by the Unless I'm missing someone, but like... So yeah, because you have Ovechkin, Healy, Alfredson, Crosby, Stahl, Kovalchuk, Savard, Chichu, Hosa, Brad Richards. At that time, I couldn't even tell you who the second best Ranger would be. Was Gionta on the Rangers then, or was he on the Sabres? No, he's still on the Sabres. Or the Devils. Right, like there's no... Like Andy McDonald, Paul Correa, Scott Gomez... Was still on the Devils for sure. Eighty-four points. <laughs> you see why he got seven dollars a year. Like, there's no Michael Nylander, right? Was he on the Rangers? I think it was Washington. No, I think he went to the. I think he went to. We were supposed to sign him, and then he went to Washington, didn't he? Wasn't that the whole thing? Oh, possibly. I think he was with the Rangers before that. But it, or no, yeah. he might have been with the. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But the point is, is like, oh, like Martin Straka. There it no, is. No, he was with Washington. Who was? Nylander. Oh. Oh no, the Rangers in 0506, Right? Is that what you're talking about? Right yeah. Now? 79 points in 81 games for the Rangers. So he was with the Rangers. He was the Rangers, but he yeah. got 79 points. Yeah. So he's the next closest at 30th in the league. Like, Yager, so good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know. Can we get back there? Can we get back to a place where guys are potting? Yeah, because yeah, because for me, I also there. like, and this is actually why I wanted to bring this up, because mm-hmm. you talk about, well, okay, the goalies are better. Right, the goals are better. Yeah, now. and there and there has down like that's a part of it too. It's however, a combo. however, but does this not make things more interesting? Does this not make make this guy's stats that much that much more impressive too? Roberto Luongo. No, Mika Kiprasov. Yeah, seventy four games played, a nine twenty three save percentage I in know. a in a time when five seven guys seven guys have over hundred points. Yeah, no. So you can't tell me that goalies are better, better now because he has the record still too. Is that the record? His record for goals against is is Mika Kiprasov. His goals against that year was two, yeah. two point oh seven. No, he, and then I think the record was like just before then he was like one point three, but that was before the lockout. So in fairness, I guess. But still, to have a, only a two, is that's crazy. Like, so you can't tell me goalies are better. Yeah, no, that's a good argument to use. He was clearly the best. I mean, time. he was the best. Yeah. Um, the you other guys you have stuff like, in there, but no. I mean, Hasek played half the season, but he still had a nine twenty five save percentage. Yeah, so they still had a lot of saves, right? Him, yeah. Manny Legacy nine fifteen <laughs> save percentage, fifty one games played. Yeah. You know, Kiprusov was a workhorse. He played seventy four games. That was impressive, but yeah, him and Berger. Berger never missed any games. Berger had a nine eleven save percentage. Only a nine eleven though. Seventy three games played. Yeah. But I don't know. I just 
I can't. I have to believe it has something to do with with penalty calls. And I should I should have done more research and looked into actually like penalty. Yeah, like I wonder what the power play points yeah. were for a lot of those guys, yeah. right? And like how many power plays as a team they got, because that would be an interesting stat to. We'll look into it down. next next week, but yeah, yeah, maybe you can break it down. I think for sure it definitely has some to play with, because like how many games have we watched this year where there has been like no penalties? Now, in fairness for us, we are the lowest drawing. Team and it's garbage. In the and again, I don't want to be biased, but it's fucking garbage. Right. Man. So then we don't see a lot of penalties, but maybe you know, maybe some of our viewers out there that are in the the knowledgeable fans in Nashville right. maybe get some penalties. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. But you know, yeah, it'd be interesting to see because I, from what you're saying, Nick, I can't remember the last like time that I've watched the Oilers game and watched them get like five power plays. Yeah. The most they'll get in a game like three, maybe. Yeah. Right. You don't see a lot. I mean, I maybe I only say that because we get scored on in every penalty kill that we're on, so then I just yeah. think we get more against us than than actuality. But yeah, maybe I think I think there's a combination working there. I think the power, the lack of power plays, or you know, perhaps the lack of power plays, if it does turn out to be that there's less overall calls, yeah, um, are playing a role. And then I would I would still contribute though to to the skill level going up. And because you're right, like the game is faster, it's quicker. All the players do seem to be at the top of their game, so it just kind of adds that. Like it's just it's tough sledding out there, man. It's tough to, to maneuver yeah. around the ice, right? So, but there's nothing better than watching like a little bit of like a barn burner. Like I don't know, Absolutely, you know, like a man. five I was, four. I was at that six that five Florida game. Like, it was seven down. five. Yeah, it's great. You're like, this is sweet. You don't want to see every game like that. No, obviously, but like but, it's but, nice to see that you can do that every once in a while. It's just right. The NBA is, is, is at its peak right now because teams are winning with 125 points. Three-point yes. shooting, right? Yes. High scores. Yeah. The NFL, what are they trying to figure out? How do we get more 52-48 games? Right. They're trying to figure out, is this a catch? Because And I and I put it this way. Yes. That's another reason they need to change it. And Bring this, more offense. Well, this is, the way I, this is the way I put it. We talk about, we've talked about the NHL catch rule, right? Or the NFL, yeah. Sorry, NFL catch rule. Thank yeah. you. Um, is, yeah. And... It's like, well, they're trying to figure out, oh, well, is he a runner? Is he this? Like, yeah. oh, you know, well, if the receiver has to turn and whatever the <laughs> fuck, right? Yeah. If you were to go to 10 random NFL fans yeah. and you go, no affiliation, we're going to go team A, team B. You yeah. know, we're like black them out or whatever, yeah. right, somehow. You show them Dez's catch. You show them just the, this and you go, you as a fan, do you want this to be a catch? Would yeah. you like to see this as a, as a touchdown? Yeah. I can guarantee you that you maybe you'll have one. You'll have one guy. You'll have one guy who just you know, is a yeah. fan of the. He's a still fan of Jim Brown when yeah. the good old days. Yeah. Mike Wilbons, who's like, I want to see my my eleven eight wins. Yeah. Or like you know, like eleven to eight with a fucking safety because the defense <laughs> was so good. Like, sorry, Wilbon, but nobody <laughs> wants to see that. Don't get me wrong, I don't mind seeing. I've seen, and I remember. In like 2001, when uh, Colorado and uh, the Devils were playing in yeah. the final, and it was Broder versus Wall. Yeah. And you want to see those legends, and you, I don't mind seeing a one nothing game. Yeah. If those guys are making 50 save, saves, yeah, or, or you know, 40 saves, but they're making a lot of saves. But, but, there's, but there's like there's quality chances. <laughs> yes. Right. It's not just like this, like. We're playing in the mud, sort of game. Yeah, we're like, which is what it turns into now a lot, right? Is like we force them to the outside. We just yeah. don't let them get. But in. if you're getting quality chances and the goalies are just really good, that can be just as exciting. Yeah, for sure. 
There's just, a difference between like, yeah. Just like you can watch an NFL game and you can be, you can see some defenses that are just like making unreal plays. Yeah, they're deflecting passes. Yeah. They're flying all over the field. Yeah. You know, they their windows are so tight because like everything, like it's a good pass, but they're still just, you know. But when it comes down to it, people want to see scoring. Yeah. They just want to see scoring, and yeah. so. Yeah, like what's the most exciting play in the Super Bowl? It's when David Tyree makes that catch. It's not, you know, if the yeah. Harrison would have knocked down that ball, that play would never be shown on. Yeah. Sports, you know, Sports Center, right? It's right. him catching that thing. And, like, obviously magnitude and all that stuff, but it's still offense. It's a 50-yard bomb in the middle of nowhere yeah. and he catches it, yeah. right? I mean, that's the stuff that's going to draw you in. And and that's just it. And I sports in general, and I think the Oilers are, are guilty of this, is we are so tied to our freaking history yeah. that it hinders the sport from, it, from progressing. From moving forward, yeah. Like, people... And I'm going to... I've... I've, I've as just an exercise for myself, I've broken it down to if the NHL were to, and there's so many factors, whether it's like ticket sales, whatever, but the NHL played a reduced schedule. And I'm not talking about the the NBA talking about going from 82 games to 76 games. I'm talking about going to like 50 60 games. games or something. 50 games a year, 60 games. Yeah. You play. 30 home games, 30 away. Yeah. Right. Because the most exciting hockey we've seen in a long time are those lockouts. Was, lockout. was that lockout year. Every game mattered. If the players are rested... Your product—they're not getting hurt. The yeah. product is better, and they could—they could. For me, I remember hearing a long time ago they say the injury sustained by an NHL player is more similar to an NFL player than any other sport. Yeah, an NFL play once a week. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to go to playing once a week, but if you play Twice. two two times a week, yeah, and you do an English Premiership, the English Premiership plays sixty games a year and is the highest profiting league in any in any league. Yeah, I'm not saying the NHL can ever get to that. Yeah, but. You, there could still be something learned from that model, the, though, right? There's something you learn about the NFL where it's like we play on Sundays. People yeah. carve out a Sunday to watch to us watch play. it, and yeah, they have the Thursday night game, the Monday night game. Sure. And every once in a while, you have a Saturday. But, but game. you think of football, you think of Sunday. Sunday. You so own a day of the week. The NHL loves having their Saturdays. Make that hockey night in Canada, hockey night in America, whatever. Yeah. Saturday, and you can do it where you you start at noon because Boston and Philly love playing those afternoon games, yeah. and then you can have your your primetime game where it's the Maple Leafs and the Canadians and then the Oilers versus the Flames or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You play it's Saturdays and Wednesdays. Yeah. Those are your nights. Yeah. Week one, you have one away game, one home game. Yeah. And people are going to be, and then you have. But see, the problem is the, of, of course, there's the financial side. Yeah. Where it's, well, there's less home games, less gate revenues, whatever. Yeah. But you make that product premium, then you can. And I know ticket prices are already high, but if you're only playing. Half as many home games, yeah. You can charge a little bit more because there's only going to be the so X amount, and then games actually matter. The mm-hmm. stakes are high. That's the thing yeah. with the NFL that makes it so great is every game matters. Yeah. You start the look at the Chargers this year. You start the year 0 and 4. Don't matter how good fucked, the way you play, the but rest of the year. but then every game after that becomes so much more heightened and important. Yeah. That they almost made the playoffs. Yeah, your sense of urgency is amped up. Yes, and right. I've always agreed with this, but like, yeah. But then I, the biggest. But then you know what? It's not even that. Strip all the financial stuff away. The purists go, well, what about historical stats? Yeah, stats. How do you compare eras after that? Well, you don't. You say, listen, that was the old... You, you, yeah. Why? But people can't think this way. People they can't think like, oh, yeah, we played... Because it's still... Can't you just be like... Can't you just say... you know, The 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 tennis always says the modern era, which I know is like... Or the 90, open era, yeah. It's always like 1902. 19, yeah, so it's 1969 is when they actually find the only allowed professionals. So why can't you just be like... Post they, this they, era. they sometimes do still. They do say like, oh, he has the most majors, but they'll they'll have a side note sometimes like, 
you know, 1969 was when pros finally got to play. So, like, some of these guys' totals aren't as high because, like, they didn't get to play. Such they, as? Uh, like, Rod Laver and stuff. Because mm. he went pro when it wasn't popular to go pro because he wanted to get paid. Mm. So then, like, uh, he was still an amateur. So he won He won a Grand Slam as an amateur. Basically was like, well, I've won all I need to win here. Went pro, got paid for exhibitions because he was such a good tennis player. And then they finally allowed pros and he won the first year that they allowed pros. They didn't so he only pros has, he only has eight majors. But people consider Rod Laver like the greatest tennis player of all time, right? Because he never got to play in like us. He had a span of five years where he didn't play a major uh. because he went pro. Because he was like, fuck this, right? I want to get paid. I'm good at what I do. Pay me for it, pretty much. What about our boy, uh, Ernest? Uh... <laughs> what was his name? I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, William Renshaw. William Renshaw. And then Ernest. And Ernest Renshaw. Yeah, what, they what, didn't what, have what? the option because that was the 1800s. Oh, man, but. 1888. Yeah. They would have been in the open era. Oh, God, yeah. Well, that's what I loved. Like, when they were like, Roger Federer is going for to tie William Renshaw, you're like, then you look at when William Renshaw, you're like, okay. William Renshaw was in 1800. <laughs> and the guy went right to the final. Meanwhile, Roger Federer has won eight of them, having to win seven matches on a little different guys. But it, it's always or like they, when he lost in the doubt, he was going to match William Renshaw's total for wins in a row. You're like, okay. There's always random <laughs> NHL stats come up with that too. Where it'll be like some guys going for yeah first guy to score like in eleven straight games in. And then you look at who it was, and it's yeah. like some guy like 1930. Yeah, like, it's like Joe Malone. He's got <laughs> seven goals in a game. You're like, well, yeah. It's like, so weird. so stupid. Well, they, they weren't good at tracking assists back then either, so you look at a lot of those yeah. like, early, early guys' totals, and like, they'll have lots of goals. Like, but anyway. The, Joe Malone had like 35 goals, 11 assists. But the thing I said what the Oilers are guilty of the history thing is I'm so sick and tired mm-hmm. of us trotting. Don't get me wrong. I will never take away having Gretzky and Curry and Messi and all these guys yeah. in our Glenn Anderson, yeah. Grant Fuhr. Our history is great about the, but it's like, oh my god! Like I was again, I was at that Florida game and they, that's when they unveiled the eighty-three, the banner for the greatest or eighty-five, four, or, 84, 80, 45, 80, yeah. 45. Which it wasn't even our best team. Eighty-six was our best team, but we didn't win this cup that year. That's but anyway, right. yeah. whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's the but Steve you know Smith they tr- goal, right? they trod it out and they're like and like people the night before it paid to go hear like I don't want to hear them pl- yeah, tell stories anymore about the eighties and the glory years. It's so long ago now because it's the problem years. is they do this shit and then people you know you have guys who go there and listen like oh yeah like oh yeah good old Glenn Anderson like why can't we get back to that and then they, and then they look at a guy like Drysdale like well he's no Anderson where <laughs> trade him it's like we like it's just it, yeah it is so frustrating because. It, yeah. We can't, we have to just... That's 30 years ago. And you know 30, what? 30, Nick. That's longer, like 30 years. In another 30 years, me and you will be almost 60 years old. Are we still going to be talking about them? Like, Gretzky will be gone. He'll be dead. Yeah. Like, right? Oh, man, they'll venerate him that, by that point, though. Like, that's the problem. Is <laughs> like, like cryogenically freeze him. Like, yeah. <laughs> Make a clone. Oh, I know. No, it's funny. It's just like... Yeah, and like people, they they reminisce on the old days, like you said, in terms of this is what you're talking about the game progressing. It's like people that idolize like Mark Messier, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, I was such a good player." Blah blah. You go on YouTube right now and watch Mark Messier highlights. Dirty, the dirtiest player you'll ever fucking. So, but that was knocking, glorified. Yeah, glorified, and then people still hold on to that now. But then they see it now, and they're like, "Oh, it's not like that." And you're like, "Yeah," because he was he could have killed somebody. Yeah. He, like, literally takes Mike Madano's head clean off with an elbow. And, like, not just, like, by accident. Like, no, no, no. Like, sticks his elbow up in the air. Guy tries to come hit him, and he just, like, elbows him in the Is face. Is that the video where 
Madonna gets dropped getting into the back of the ambulance. Have you seen yes. that? Yes. Yeah, that's the same game. Yeah, and then he gets dropped. It's, it's so... like something out of WWE. Yeah. <laughs> my God, no. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> but then, then, and then you hear stories of like how, how they used to party, too. Yeah. But then now it's like, oh, no, the locker room cancer. So it's like, um, did you see what these guys did like in the 80s? Like, Which are is, you kidding so me? So that's the point I'm making. Like, that was fine in the 80s, but yes. if you, you can't compare it and be like, man, why can't they do that now? It's like, oh. what, so you want them to just like go party on cocaine and like elbow people in the head? Like, what are you trying to say here, yeah. right? It's like, they, they're, it's a different time period. And like, they get scrutinized so much now for doing far less than like what those guys did. And I'm like, man, they're just hockey players at the end of the day. Like, yeah. they are... You, like you said, you need to, it needs to progress. You need to start thinking about like what they bring to the skill set as a hockey player yeah. because the other stuff has never mattered. No. If it would have mattered in the 80s, though, none of those teams would have won. Yeah. Right? It's never mattered. People make a bigger deal out of it now because they just need to talk about something. Right. It's not a big deal because players figure it out, man. Like If you're the best team and you have a chemistry within that locker room to win it, then you're going to. It doesn't matter really what you do on the outside. They can give a fuck. You know? mm. And what you produce on the ice and how much you give a shit on the ice is all people care about. <sighs> Right? Yeah. It's like who, if they have your back on the ice, that's all they need to know. They don't really care about anything else. I don't want to, again, we talked about this before, I don't want to pile on to the whole Shirelli witch hunt, but it's like, man. He is, yeah. You, you brought up a good point. Pat Maroon, who I, again, I've, all this year on the, on the podcast I've said, I've, yeah, I thought it was a little bit overrated. He yeah. was on a good, he was a good, on a good contract. He did really score 27 contract. goals last yeah. year. Like, yeah, and so like I thought he produced well for what we were paying him. Absolutely. But I was completely okay with But him. like you said, he got the same return as Brandon Brad Davidson. Davidson. Like, think about that. Like, he had as many points as Rick Nash, and Rick Nash got a king's ransom. Yeah. I don't know. I just... And I get Rick Nash at some point is like... It's pedigree. It's for, for sure For pedigree. sure it's pedigree, and he's a good two-way player, and blah, 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 team cat, all that stuff. But from a pure stats perspective, his stats are almost the same as Rick Nash. And he got the same return that Brandon Davidson got. Like, that's weird. That's Sorry. Weird. I'm just, I, I have uh, the 2006 playoffs page open here. And I'm just yeah. going through some of the games. And I just, some of these names are jumping out at me. They're hilarious. The Philadelphia Flyers. You had Simo Gagne on their team that year. Peter Nedved. Uh, Mike Knubel. Mike Knubel. Philadelphia's goalies in two. This is two thousand six. Can you remember their goalies? You Who, can't. Sorry, Philadelphia's in Robert Esch, Ontario Nidamaki. Man, why has Philly always had the weirdest goalies? Because then they had Boucher and Layton yeah. when they went to the oh, final. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, why do they always have such? Who's weird even? They're good goals? this year. And who's their goalie this year? It's uh, uh, Steve Mason, right? Yeah, and. Is man, I don't even know for who Philly. Yeah, who's on Brian the, Elliott? Brian Elliott. Brian and then Elliott. now that he's got Morazic. Oh yeah, Steve Mason's on uh, Winnipeg, right? Winnipeg. So it's Brian Elliott and Neuverth. Yeah, my boy Neuverth. I love that guy. Yeah, and then he got hurt. So man, and then, <laughs> then Buffalo, Alish Kodalik, Tim Connolly, Thomas Vanek, Mike Greer. Thomas, I'll, I'll finish this off with the with the. Uh, uh, Hockey stuff. Oh, you have something yeah, to say? No, keep going. I was going to say, the Oilers, they want to bring... I found it. But anyway, sorry. I found the fifth goal scorer. But anyway, continue. For, for Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, the same man. year that Zach Parise did it. That's why I was... The same year Zach Parise did yeah. it, eh? 30-30 were his stats. Anyway. Interesting. I wonder if and I, I should have... We should have got it. This guy was a goal scorer. Well, kind of. Top 30 for his previous team, too. Is he a, mini, is he a mini Minnesota legend? He was a really good player for them. 
Huh, interesting. So yeah, uh, as far as the offseason goes, like I think Thomas Vanek's a guy they really should look at. Yeah. Yeah. A right-handed I, shot. He's right-handed shot. And I was forty-one look, points this year. And I was looking at his stats, and I should I should bring it up. But power play, like he's a sniper. Because I was curious. Because I I was like, oh man, uh, Vanek fall yeah. from grace. You know, once a forty-goal score, but I, the last like seven years, I, c- I could have this wrong. He's been a consistent twenty-goal scorer. Yes. Because like he used to be forty, then it was thirty. Now he's like down to twenty. Which is you know what? And his contract this year with Vancouver was, was like, two million bucks. Yeah, it was like nothing. Two million bucks. So I, I, for me, he's a guy that we should look at. You put him on the third line. Don't don't expect much from him. Yeah. But you put him on the power play, he can. Uh, I think can probably fill that that void. Latestu's now left. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, any anything else you want to touch on before we talk a little bit about the yeah, movies? Uh, the fifth goal scorer. Oh. Can I give you? If I give you his previous team, it'll probably be too easy. Okay. But I'll give it to you anyway. Okay. Buffalo Sabers. He played for the Buffalo Sabres. Before he played for Minnesota. Maxime Finneganov? No. It's off that time period, though. You're right in the wheelhouse. It's like Briere, Drury, this guy, Finneganov. Oh, they were like all in that race. Jason Palmanville. Jason Palmanville. Yeah. 30 goals. Yeah, Him and Breeze right. got 30 in the same year. Because they went the same year, right? Yeah. Man, so Minnesota, it, they've never been able to crack that ceiling in. No, like they've five, had, only five players in their entire they, history. They've had good goalies. They've had, you yeah. know, they. Harding before he got sick and yeah. Backstrom. They've had always good. And they, you know, Ryan Suter. They also had Brent Burns on their team and traded him yeah. for nothing. What did they trade him for? That's a good question. I don't even know. But Brent Burns was a Minnesota Wild draft pick. Crazy. And he was he wasn't quite as good as he is now, obviously. Was it Minnesota or was he drafted by New Jersey? For some reason New Jersey's sticking out and he No, no? it was Minnesota. Okay. And he played for the Houston Arrows. Yeah, and he didn't really have, like, he wasn't very good. Like, he, well, I shouldn't say that. He was all right. Eh, some down years, though. But in his last year in Minnesota, he had 17 goals. Like, why were they giving that away? Playing defense. Yeah. And Only yeah. the last, like, three years he's really well, exploded, yeah. right? Or four, I would even say. And there were there were rumors with their Carlson thing that, you know, that San Jose was interested. And, I, and then the other one I heard was Nashville. I, Nashville. And I was like, chuckle. and I was like, <laughs> Subban and Carlson, the same team. That's not fair. You can't, that's a fantasy Roman team. Yossi. That's a fantasy team. You can't do that. Roman Yossi, Subban and Carlson. You can't do Ryan that. Ryan Ellis, Matias Ekholm. Come on. You can't do that. You can't do that. That's not fair. <laughs> no. Are you kidding me? They wouldn't even, and they'd be on separate power plays. Yeah, now. right. I mean, <laughs> Teams, no, form. teams can't even get one right-hand defenseman, <laughs> a.k.a. the Oilers. And what? They're going to have Carlson and Subban running their two pounds. Like, what? Come on. Early prediction, who do you think Carlson gets traded to? Do you think he gets traded or do you think he's I don't think no? he gets traded. You don't think so? No, think- Ottawa had all these pieces to trade. Not one person got moved. Matt Hoffman. Yeah, weird, eh? All of them. None of them moved. They were like, oh, we're going to trade all these guys. Nobody. So what are you even trying to So you think Carlson again? stays? I think he stays. He'll stay in the next year. If nobody could put a package together for him, like if but Vegas, if Vegas couldn't put a package together and they have like literally the most draft picks of all time, they have like three first round picks. Like how? Because so you like you're not telling me, you're telling like listen, I'm think sure if Vegas could have got a commitment from him, they probably would have pulled it. Be like, yeah, we'll trade all of our first round picks. I don't give a fuck. Right. Fair Carlson signs with us for the next ten years. Of course we'll yeah. take. We'll give away our draft picks. We're already the best team in the West somehow. Yeah. So I don't know if, if a team like Vegas who has all the cap space. And all the resources to be able to pull something like that off can't do it. See, what the, package are you going to send? To go send? to the cap space thing, the, the thing that depressed me the most, I, see, I saw a thing going to 
Yeah, we had the most or something. We had like third most. We had eight and a half million dollars in cap space. <laughs> yeah. And that That's that to me, to that to me right there shows just like the lack of of preparation going to this year. You, you know, you had you had and it's been beat to death by McDavid on his last year of his entry level contract. You had Maroon on his sweet deal. You had all these guys that you you had the space, the opportunity to do it, and it's just now we're at a point where you're having to, and again, you have to pull some sort of NBA-style trade where you have to package a good, you have to pa- make a good deal in order to try to shed some salary. Like, you have to be like, you're going to have to try to trade Lucic or Russell. One of those contracts has to go. I yeah. hate to say it. And I, I think Lucic brings some sort of, does bring a little bit of value. He's still a 50-point player, which mm-hmm. is really hard to do. We just, we went through the stats. <laughs> it's not easy to get 50 yeah. points anymore. Yeah. But... If you are trying to tr- shed some salary and try to get a guy on your team that can help you now, which again, that that Dahlin thing, yeah, I would rather trade that pick for an immediate help. If you can package Dahlin and even another one of your starting defensemen right now, like whether it's Cluffbaum or somebody like that, mm-hmm. and and maybe a prospect like Kaylee Yamamoto, yeah. and th- then you have to put in like a Lucic <laughs> contract just to get one player. I'd rather do that. Yeah. I honestly rather would because if you can bring in a guy like, and I'm not saying that package is going to get you Carlson. Don't get me, don't cross yeah. that up. But if you can bring in a guy like that who can help you right now, mm-hmm. that's way more valuable. Way more yeah. valuable than have to wait. Because as good as Dylan's going to be, it's going to be three years till he's effective. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. And people say, well, what if he comes into league and mm-hmm. he plays? He's been playing with men. Like it just does not work like that. There are no. There are. There will never well, be. Even, even Carlson in his first two years, he was good. Like, be, probably above what they even thought, but he wasn't Eric Carlson. No. Victor right? Hedman is what I bring up. Victor yeah. Hedman, it was him and Tavares. That was the pet. That was yes. the pedigree, right? The two of them going in. Yeah. And Hedman, the, I remember Hedman was being touted as like the next Lidstrom at that time. And yeah. Hedman is good. He's one of the top five defenses in the league right now. Yes. But it took him all to be Victor Hedman. It did, yeah. No, and I will, uh, the forwards and defensemen are so different. You can, so different. You can have... A Connor McDavid come in and light up the league right away. Defensemen mm-hmm. cannot do it. There's just too much to learn. Yeah, Carlson for like comparison, Nick. He had. See, he got called up though because he was he, in the AHL. He was clearly ready for the NHL. Yeah. He had 11 points in 12 games yeah. in the AHL in his first year, right? But he still only got 26 points in 60 games yeah. for the Senators, which isn't like crazy. And then 45, and then 78. But then people were saying, "Oh, he's only an offensive defenseman." But now you like looking, you're like, "No, actually, he's yeah. He gets that many points because he takes the puck away more than anybody else." Well, and, right? and Adam brought it up. Always brings it up. Last year, he led the. He was like second in the league in block shots behind yes. behind Chris Russell. Yeah, exactly right. So, but you would say that's probably the last like four or five years where Carlson's really just like 78 points, 74 points, 82. He wasn't getting that right away. No, obviously his ceiling was super, super high. He only got 26 points in his first game. So you still, even he wasn't like fully adapted to the game, right? Because then it then it was 45 points, then it was 78, then it was all of a sudden the, yeah. the floodgates opened, right? That's still three years. So like that's still his third season for him to get 70. So points. like if you can somehow convince Ottawa, like you give, let's say our, t- our pick ends up being a top three pick, right? It's, yeah, or you get number one. Theoretically. Or, sure. Okay. Theoretically, we have the number one pick. Yeah, we win the lottery. Number one pick. Ethan Bear, Tyler Liamamoto, yeah, Oscar Kluffbaum, and then you they have to take Lucic. Does that get you Carlson? I would t- I would do that trade in a heartbeat. I would, but does Ottawa make that trade? <laughs> no. Can you convince Dorian to make that trade? If yeah, I don't know. Because you're giving them. You, you, if you, you can get reassurance from Carlson that he's going to sign with you, you, su- you play sell him and McDavid together. You sell him on the it. fact that 
You're getting you're getting Dolan. You're getting Bear, who's another who's good probably our prospect. best defensive prospect. You have Clefbaum, who I'm not saying is going to replace Carlson. He can play right away. Yes. You have Kali Yamamoto, who's gonna you, who's gonna be an offensive player for you. Like look yeah. at his World Junior since the World Junior. He's yeah, 31 points in like crazy. 12 games or something. But then you gotta you gotta take the albatross of a contract. Yeah. And that might be the thing for cash cap strapped Senators yeah. team. They'll say no deal, but. Yeah. I think I think or like or they swap Ryan for Lucci. And it sucks. One shitty contract for no, Lucci. No, I, I, you can't take that. No, you can't. It's even more. It's seven million. It's seven million for just as long, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's still like twenty twenty two. You Ooh, can't it's take a that. Bad contract. Did Ottawa sign that or did Ottawa the Ducks sign that? I think Ottawa did, or the Ducks, and they traded it right yeah. away. Because they're like shit. Well, he looked okay at, at first, and then it, the yeah. last two years he's really struggled. Yeah, he was good in the playoffs last year for them. And he was actually. good in the playoffs for them. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're running pretty long here. Yeah. Let's, um, we hadn't talked sports in a while, I guess. No, we hadn't. Um, oh, big last thing to touch on, or I guess the first thing to touch on for pop culture before we get into the movies is next week, finale of The Bachelor. Ari's going to make his choice. Okay. There are, don't, you dare, if you know any spoilers, don't you say anything. No, I didn't right say anything. There's a lot anything. of spoilers out there. Oh, okay. It's supposed to be one of the most dramatic finishes in a long time. Oh, so. there we go. Okay. And I know that big celebrity Big Brother just finished. Oh, yeah. Were you pissed at the winner? Terrible. Awful. Because it was actually the guy that we were annoyed Ross. with the first episode. And he should have won. <laughs> and he should have won. Even say he should have won. See, and this is what I'll say. Because remember when we first saw him, we were like, oh, I don't like this guy. No. And then, boom, that guy's the guy you ended up thinking should have won. Exactly. and Because uh, he actually played Big Brother, pretty much? Yeah, and that's what I tweeted about yesterday. I was like, yeah. I guess the, what it takes to win in Celebrity Thanks Big like Brother is you just have to be liked. Yeah. You know, because it was the it was the one like Broadway girl, right? Yeah, and it's just because she was like she was so nice and like they're like oh you know Ross you know you you went back on our deals and stuff and it's like man that's Big Brother yeah it's like two weeks they're all too they and don't then, like each other too much yeah it wasn't and then my, and then my boy went out first Chuck. oh Chuck yeah <laughs> after I thought he'd lay low and he goes I saw you got eliminated first I was like oh shit yeah so. no Chuck was I don't think Chuck knew what was going on no Chuck probably didn't even yeah he was a little brain dead eh? um. Different, different, uh, different Ross. But so last last night on The Bachelor, uh, one of the final three, now mm-hmm. the final two, Becca, her ex of seven years shows up in mm-hmm. Peru. Oh, nice. To try to win her back. Oh, nice. Tries to. He's like, Some that's my TV. my proposal to make, and she uh, says, no, it's done. Like it's over. It's like over. I moved on. So my early prediction is his name is Ross as well. The guy who tried to get Becca back. Damn. Ross is the next Bachelor. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Poor guy got heartbroken on TV. Yeah. Now you get to be the bachelor. Now you man. get to be the bachelor, man. Here's 26 women. <laughs> the bachelor is the most ridiculous. Okay, man. so uh, full disclosure that so the uh, Academy Awards are this Sunday. We yes. have not watched. We haven't watched them all. We've watched no. a good handful. Um, I personally, for those of you listening, I want to see Shape of Water the most for the ones I haven't seen. Um, I think Guillermo. Del I want to see Get Out the most. Get Out, and it's Get Out as well because Get Out's one of those ones that was early in the year. Came out really early, mm-hmm. and the fact that it was able to sustain that buzz throughout the entire year and get recognized is really cool. And Jordan Peele, I mean, that's really cool actually because mm-hmm. those guys, are, you know, just like for comedies. Yeah. And he came up with some horror-ish style film that had a lot of social commentary on it exactly. actually. So, kind of cool. So yeah, Get Out and Shape of Water, the two. We 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 keep saying, say, call me by my name. It's probably the last on our list. I don't think I'll even watch it. I my personally probably won't either now that the Academy no. Awards are on Sunday. Yeah. I won't have time to get them all. I'm probably going to try and get Shape of Water and um, uh, get out before Sunday just so I can have some reference because I'd be curious. So for me, 
Um, of the ones you saw, which one was your favorite, Nick? Okay, so now are you asking me which one is my favorite or which one I think is going to win? No, which one's your favorite? Okay. It's hard to say. I mean... Because I have a top three of the, the five. I've I know, seen. I really like Dunkirk. You like Dunkirk? I really dunk, like Dunkirk. See, and I hope... I know he won't. This is what we're... Okay, so you like Dunkirk, actually. We'll just stay on topic. Dun yeah. Dunkirk? Yeah. Okay, I think my favorite, personally, from the ones that I watched... Um... Man, I'll still go with three billboards, but I think really? it was Dunkirk was second. Dunkirk surprised me. I liked it mm -hmm. more than I thought it was for how little sort of um, dialogue there was, and so that's where I was just going to lead into. So if we, so then, who do you think who's going to win though? What's the? Okay, so we talked about this off camera or uh, off mic before. So yeah. I guess from what I've learned is that the way the the structure of the voting works, yeah, is. Best Picture is the only one that works on a tiered system, like you said, like Heisman voting. Heisman voting, right? So it's first, it's second place. First, second, third. Now I'm 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 not sure if you vote one through nine or if you just vote for your top three. I don't know, but I do know it's weighted voting, yeah. right? As in, first place vote is going to get more yeah. more points, so to speak, than a second or third place. Yeah. So every other category doesn't work like that. The yeah. who, the voting bodies, you just vote for who you think is going to win. Like Best Actor, you go um, Timothy Timothy Chalamet, calling by your name. That's my that's my pick. Yeah. Boom in the ballot. Yeah. But for best picture, you have to wait it. So apparently, because it, with last year with Moonlight and La La Land, there was that whole obviously mix, infamous mix up with the with the uh, mm -hmm. envelope and stuff like that. There, La La Land was hot out of the out of the Golden Globes. It swept the Golden Globes, didn't it? Yeah, it won so much. It won she everything. Won, yeah. And then and it had all this one momentum. Musical, it won screenplay. It won yeah. actress. So it had this momentum, and then there's the the expected backlash. Then there was a bit of a resurgence. Then more backlash. So apparently, what happened was, La La Land was, it got a lot of first place votes, or it got nothing at all. Yeah. And then Moonlight got first, second, third, third but it got mixture. enough. It got enough mixture that it just moved past La La Land. Yeah. My feeling is that Three Billboards is going to have that suffer the same things. It's getting a lot of backlash now. It's getting yeah. a lot of a lot of maybe wasn't as good. It's get, it's overrated, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's going to get you either hate it or love it, just like uh, La La Land. So yeah. it's either going to get a lot of first place votes and then nothing else after that, which makes me think it's going to cause a little bit of a vacuum where a Get Out or a Lady Bird is going to sneak in yeah. and steal it. Because you were saying Lady Bird might get shut out, which will be I think frustrating. I think, and it's going to be crazy, but I think Get Out's going to win Best Picture. Get I out. really do. <laughs> that would be something. I do think and because it's an original movie, I and think, it's his first director. And it's a horror, and it's a mostly yeah. black cast. Like, yeah. I think, it, but I think just, and I hate to say this, but I think just based on sort of the atmosphere, yeah. like the or well, actually, well, I think it's like a. He's like only he's like the only black person or something like that's sort of the commentary mm -hmm. on it is that like or there's only like two or three black characters and they're like super okay. singled out in the okay. movie because it's I like seen in, the movie yet. yeah because I think it's because it's in like a um, really like yeah whatever right. and yeah. that's the commentary on it and like how alone that that one person mm -hmm. can feel I think that's sort of the commentary that he was going for from what I kind of could gather so I do think it would be interesting though because it still would be very relevant for now. So, but so I think, and I haven't seen it yet, ooh. but just a lot of the momentum and a lot, what a, a lot of people have said, people <laughs> love Lady Bird, but I yeah. feel like Lady Bird is going to be that like Lady Bird was okay. I, yeah, I also feel the same way. Yeah, it was all right. Like I, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't. Eh. I and feel it, like I've seen it before. And it's our sense? it's our generation. Like it's that it's that sort of yeah. early two thousands, and you know the, we were in high school at that time mm -hmm. and mid to late two thousands, right? 
Like that, 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 it speaks to us. And I thought it was really good and it was moving, but it was like, is it a best picture? Yeah. And that's the way I keep coming back to it. It's like, and I know. Mm. I thought of it almost like a version of uh, like a lesser boyhood. Sure. In terms of like just like this sort of growing up story, and I thought that it, it, it went it moved really quickly through like the sort of coming of age of uh, Ladybird, and whereas like Boyhood took it longer to like it it was fast in the way that like, the movie jumped a lot, but like because you did see from like when he was like twelve yeah. to eighteen, but then I felt that it was sort of that same arc just in her last senior year. Like to me, whatever a best picture is like the acting, the directing, the cinematography, yeah. the setting. The story, all of it just like connects in such a way that it's just, it's great. Yeah. I think there's great acting yeah. in Lady Bird. I think like Saoirse Ronan and... Uh, uh, I didn't even know that um, was the same actress from Brooklyn until yeah. I really like looked at it. I was and like, Laurie Metcalf, like they do, yeah. they're, they're great in it. Don't get me mm -hmm. wrong. And the storytelling is really good. But like as a movie, as a, as a film, like to me, I mean, again, I haven't seen Get Out. Yeah. But Dunkirk, to me, it just has all those things mm -hmm. together. Like, Tom Hardy's acted from behind a mask before. He was Bane. But in this one, it's so much more... Yeah. It's such a more reserved... Mm -hmm. And whenever a movie It was finished, a lot of unknowns until all of a sudden, yeah, you're like, oh, that's Tom Hardy. See, and like, yeah. I'm going to go way off... I'm going to go way off base. And I think that... I think Logan was the best movie of the of the year. Yeah. I honestly do. Yeah. That movie has stuck with me. And I'm not even a huge... I'm not a huge superhero fan. Yeah. Superhero movie Neither fan. am I. I find they all fight, like follow the same... But Logan was. was just... The way it told that story and... Hugh Jackman and uh, knowing it was his last role too, and he Patrick totally Stewart played it together. different. And the two of them together, their yeah. their chemistry in it, and it was it was moving at the yeah. end. Like I'm a, if I'm affected, affected with an A, and affected yeah. e too. <laughs> yeah. At the end of a film like that, if it has an e the only effect. Two, yeah. Only the two movies like that had that. Only two movies had left me with that feeling this year. Were Dunkirk. And Dunkirk and that in that last scene when that plane is burning yeah oh man like and I remember I remember yeah. watching the movie Dunkirk and being it, it's it, and it's Nolan's shortest film too which is impressive yeah it was only it was only 145 yeah like an hour 45 yeah. minutes it wasn't very long yeah so yeah 110 minutes I think or something yeah, like that something right? like that yeah. yeah when I actually watched it it was only an hour and 45 minutes so before and I remember minutes. about like 90-ish minutes into it like it well into it I'm like man this movie's really good but I, I just hearing about it and reading about it I'm like oh man I thought I'd have, have more of an effect on me yeah and and then it just hits this stride and mm -hmm. I remember the last 10 minutes I was a fucking puddle and yeah I'm, like in that the end of it and I'm just like man the, cur <laughs> the courage of everybody in that war <laughs> yeah and like yeah it, man I, so to me see and this is where every I, time I say to me I yeah this is this time. is where I was gonna go though I want Christopher Nolan to win best director because of the movies I've seen in here I have seen all of them except Get Out and Chip of Water. So that I was hoping from like the three that I've seen of the, that category, that's the best directing job. I agree. To me. is because you have a preconceived notion of Christopher Nolan and they're still there. The beautiful like epic like yeah. scenes of like action that he, you can tell has a lot of physical effects. He doesn't use a ton of like CGI and he definitely has like big set pieces and stuff like that. But there was like no dialogue, and it yeah. was just about what he was showing you. So I, I'm curious to see what the other. That's why I want to see those two now, even more so, because like quite honestly, like um, uh, Phantom Thread. Mm -hmm. I mean, whatever. That to me, that's like no different than any other sort of like kind of romantic. I don't know. Like it wasn't bad, but I, I wouldn't say directory. Like I feel like there probably could have been a lot of other directors. But I, I think Steven Spielberg should have been in there. 
Yeah. Even though the post itself as a movie isn't great. Yeah. His directing, Spielberg just has this like. Mm-hmm. I always look at Spielberg and Fincher in as two directors yes. who just they're. When you watch a Spielberg movie, it is a Spielberg movie. movie. When you watch a Fincher movie, it's a yes. Fincher oh, movie. Oh, Fincher right? especially, yeah. Fincher puts you in a room with two or three other people. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... Everything's dark. He takes that He takes that Tarantino yeah. ability of just basing out of the dialogue and people's interaction, but yeah. like adds this weight to it. Whereas, yeah. Where Tarantino's... It's more of like lighthearted and it's it's campy sometimes. Yes. Fincher, yeah. it's like... Even though it's violent. You, you know what I mean? That's yeah. his style though, yeah. yeah. But... Fincher puts you in this room with mm-hmm. in this room with these characters, and you are just like yeah. in that room. And you know he does that that three sixty turn, oh, and yeah. you get every facial. Yeah. And then uh, for Spielberg, it's like he's pulling you through this these worlds all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he basically it feels like whenever I'm watching a Spielberg movie, he's grabbing you by like by your collar, and he's just like pulling you with him. Yeah. And you're just. You're with these characters, you know, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, they're in these mm-hmm. rooms and they're on these, they're making these phone calls yeah. and you're just like, you're moving through this at this, like, it's not even a torrid pace either. It's just like this, yeah. this seamless way of moving through this world. Yeah. Spielberg just has such a great touch. The problem with Spielberg movies, of course, he has, he's a little, he can be heavy handed sometimes. Yeah, I was going to say, And yeah. like at the end of the, the post is so great and then at the end where it's like that, that cheesy sort of, you know, it's, it's that classic like pull, crane pole where it's like that over the top angle uh, and then... You know, Streep and, and Hanks are having it. She's like, I don't know if I could ever go, go through something like that, that again. again. Yeah. And then it like <laughs> sets up, it sets up uh, uh, all the president's men with the yeah. Watergates. Oh, I'm calling from Watergate. There seems to be a break in. Like he has that like that yeah. kind of overhanded cheesiness. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the same thing. The, again. It's yeah. like the same thing at the end of Indiana Jones where it pulls away and the Ark <laughs> is in that big warehouse. Like yeah. he always has to have that. that <laughs> but it's fine. It's his style. It's, it's his, his style. Touch. Though, it's his and touch. that's how you know that's a Spielberg, Spielberg movie. movie. So yeah. The post as a film, yeah, not the best, not best picture, but Spielberg directing that movie. Yeah. And those those actors, mm-hmm. the fact that he can step into the director's chair and be like, "I'm going to direct Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep." To me, he should have been nominated. Yeah, but yeah, I, but Nolan. The problem with Nolan, I understand why people don't like him and where he is. He has. <laughs> I almost look at his mind as he creates this thing. <laughs> he creates this like beautiful movie. Yeah, and then he goes. I'm just going to add this little thing in here because I think it'll make it better and it just loses people. Yeah. Interstellar is a prime example, right? So good and in the last 10 minutes people are like, I don't know what the fuck God was going, going on with that movie. <laughs> yeah. Dunkirk, same thing, is he's got that, that those overlapping timelines. Timelines, yeah. Where it's like... It's you're, like land, you're, sea... You're confused what's going on. With air them, or but, whatever, right? But yeah. then when they... That's the part where it hits that start where they all line up and you're like... And Tom Hardy's <laughs> flying through the air and these kids are on the boat and, yeah. and then the other... And then like... The other kids are on the beach and they're yeah. and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he loves like timelines and stuff. He definitely yeah. loves. I mean, obviously, um, what am I thinking of? Uh, Memento. Memento. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, you know stuff like that. So. Okay, so we're just gonna rapid fire here. Just uh, yeah. best actor, Timothy Chalamet. Daniel, we're gonna go who you think is gonna win. Okay. Because we haven't seen all the so movies. So for director, I think mm. then we'll go with Camille del Toro. I think is gonna win. You think so? I think so. Yeah. I and a lot, I'm, a lot of yeah, and I love Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth. And if it's anything like that, then I'm I'm gonna hopefully be pleasantly surprised. So, so. we're both saying Guillermo for that yeah. one. Yeah. And then, and then, for, then for, you're saying Get Out. I'll still go with Three Billboards kay. just for kay. just to have some. Opposite. Yep. Okay, best actor, Denzel Washington, Gary Oldman. I don't think we need to debate Gary Oldman, yeah. It's going to be Gary Oldman. It's going to be Gary Oldman. Best actress. This one's interesting. Sally Hawkins, yeah. Shape of Water. Frances McDormand, Three Billboards. Margot Robbie, I, Tanya, Saoirse Ronan, Lady Bird, Meryl Streep, The Post. Okay, I'll go with Frances because 
she won the SAG, the yeah. Brit, and the Golden Globe. So it would be very that'd be an upset if and she lost. As much as I don't necessarily, I liked Three Billboards. Yeah. Didn't love it. She was amazing in it. She was she good. She was great. Yeah, because I think she was she again. She's the heart of the movie. Yeah, and she went against type, I guess, too, which is always fun. I think it's always really good to see different performances like that. So it, it's not exactly like you think. Oh, a mother like serves out for revenge, and you think it's gonna be a certain way. And like I found that she was completely different. Like, well, the scene we talked about before, the scene with the priest. The priest, right? the amazing. Is, Just get the fuck out of my get house. The fuck out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> right. Who do you to tell me how I'm supposed to? Uh, yeah, yeah. How am I supposed to get the fuck out of my house? Yeah. He was like, "Okay, that's sweet." Yeah. Um, I think that, that's too. early in the movie too. That sets the tone of sort of her characters. Sort and of. I think Margot Robbie. You haven't seen Itania yet. I haven't. Really but, good in it. Yeah, she is really good in it. But best actress? No, not yeah. quite. But this, to me, watching her in this movie is like her setting the, the stage, stage for her to not just be the pretty girl in the movie or to be like start she, winning. Some she Oscars. can. She, yeah, yeah, she's got the chops, man. She's yeah. got the chops for sure. Mm -hmm. Best supporting actor. I haven't seen it yet, but Willem Dafoe in the Florida Project supposed to be really good. I've heard that too. Woody Harrelson, Richard Jenkins, Christopher Plummer, in, yeah, in the Sam Florida Rockwell. Project. So. I I personally, who's won the other awards for that? I Do you know Sam Rockwell has won them all. I think so. Okay. Christopher Plummer won one. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure actually. That's Christopher funny. Plummer might have won for the Golden Globe. I really like Woody Harrelson in Best Support. Uh, Woody Harrelson in Three Billboards. I yeah. think after he's out of the movie mm -hmm. is when it sort of drags. Yeah. Um. He won the BAFTA, Golden Globe, and the Screen Actors. Who did? Rockwell. Yeah. He did, yeah. Yes. I didn't like him in the movie, though. Yeah, you know, I, when after I had talked his to you about the movie... His character's a little over the top. Yeah, and his character is kind of flatlined. Like, he kind of turns a corner at the end, but, like, not really. And it takes, like, him getting, like, blown up. And you're like, really? I'm going to go with Sam Rockwell. I think... It'll be, Sam, it'll be Sam Rockwell then, yeah. Best Supporting Actress, Mary J. Blige, Mudbound, Allison Janney, I, Tanya, Leslie Manville, Phantom Thread... Laurie Metcalf, Lady Bird, Octavia Spencer, The Shape of Water. Personally, I haven't seen Allison Janney and I Tanya. Now everyone says, "Oh, that's the that, that's the mom, right? She plays the mother." Yeah, it's the easier role to play. It's because it's, yeah. it's best between her and Laurie Metcalf. Because people would so probably, I bet you they would make the comparison of um, uh, who am I thinking in the fighter? Uh, mm. She won best supporting as well, and because she's just like the craziest mom. Yeah, um, I don't remember now. Who am I thinking of? Uh, Melissa Leo. Yeah. Melissa Leo. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, like big teased hair, and just like exactly probably what you're thinking. Like that's the easier role to play because she's just like almost over the top, but like that was a real person. And then Maureen Metcalf, they say she's it's more of a subtle play, but to me, I can't fuck. I gotta stop saying that. Yeah. Uh, when I when I watch both those movies. Allison Janney, I think yeah, she won the Screen Actors. Game. I think it's harder to play that role. Yeah. some of the like language she uses at mm -hmm. her, her quote unquote daughter and yeah. just I don't. I think for if I were to have to play that role, it'd be much harder to be that aggressive and violent and yeah. and mean. Mm -hmm. I don't. I I I think Janney will and should win yeah. personally. Yeah, she won the Screen Actors, so we'll go with her as well. I'll go with best her. original screenplay. Big Sick, Get Out, Lady Bird, Shape of Water, Three Billboards. Get Out, I think is I, I don't think there's any chance. Oh really? I I I think. What was the one year where they were like, director and picture and screenplay were all, all sort of different. shared because they 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 was such a glut of good movies that they tried yeah, to. Yeah. There's a chance I see this happening the same way. Like if Get Out doesn't win, but get win best, best picture, picture or best director, then he wins. Yeah. And then if, if Del Toro doesn't win, maybe yeah. Best Director, maybe he wins Best Original Screen. I think it's going to be a sort yeah. of weird... That's what I was just going to say to you. It's going to be a weird trinity between Get Out, uh, 
three billboards and Shape of Water. I think. Yeah, I, I think, think so. those are the three they're going to share. Lady Bird might sneak in with some uh, performance, yeah. but I, yeah. I, I part of me thinks that's the way it's going to be. Okay, Call Me by Your Name, best adapted screenplay. Call, call Me by Your Name, Disaster Artist, Logan, yeah. Molly's Game, Mudbound. Yeah, see, I think I, Logan should win. I want Disaster Artist only because it's the room, but. Logan, when I saw it was in there, I'm sure that made you happy at least. Yeah. That there was some recognition that it was like such a good adaptation of that but section. But who do I think is going to win? I think Aaron Sorkin's going to win from all these games. From all these games? Because it's Aaron Sorkin. Because I was going to say, yeah, and like when you were saying David Fincher, I was like, yeah, all I can think about is like now is Aaron Sorkin and David Fincher in the social network, and like that's just, yeah. that's what a movie looks like. Yeah. yeah. Best animated feature film. Yeah, we'll do animated. It's going to be Coco, yeah. I think, because it's won They're playing, so many awards. It's actually playing at U of A. Oh, so, yeah. 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 It's won. It, it's, it broke the Mexico's box office. Oh, okay. it's, yeah, it's, I think okay. it's going to be Coco. Um, foreign language film, we haven't seen anything. No. Documentary. Um, I think Icarus is going to win. Okay. Just based on... I haven't seen any of them. Icarus so. is based on the Russian doping scandal. And just everything that's happened with the Olympics. Oh, it's a Carson really, just told me to watch this. It's, it's really on Netflix. Good. It's yeah. really good. Yes, he just told me to watch that, yeah. actually. He said it was great. Now we're going to skip Because it's like closest to the sun or something. Ooh, right? Is here, that what that translates to? Yeah, uh, well, it's a uh, Greek myth. Yeah, Greek yeah. myth, yeah. Burn your wings flying too close to the that's sun. That's right, that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> Which would this one's always fun. Sense. That's clever. Best original score. Best original Hans score. Hans Zimmer for Dunkirk. <laughs> Johnny Greenwood for Phantom Thread. Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead fame. Yeah. The Shape of Water. John Williams, Star, uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, or Three Billboards, Carter Bushwell. Hans Zimmer, though. Yeah, it's gotta be. <laughs> All right. Uh, sound mixing, production, cinematography. Okay. Yeah, who, who got nominated? Blade Runner, 2049. Nice. Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Mudbound, The Shape of Water. Shit. I bet you Blade Runner, man. Dunkirk. Yeah? Oh, Dunkirk. yeah, no, actually, now that you're saying that. Um, yeah, Dunkirk is pretty but beautiful. But, best visual effects... Blade Runner, Guardians of the Galaxy, Kong, Star Wars, Pl War Planet of the Apes. Another underrated movie. Yeah. Um, best visual effects, I'm going to go with Blade Runner. Blade See, for Runner. me, a lot of the best movies I saw this year are not nominated at all. Like, War of the Planet of the Apes was, was fucking amazing. Yeah. Logan was really good. Uh, I already some early contenders for next year. Yeah. I watched Hostels with uh, Christian Bale. Oh, okay. Really good. Really good. Huh. Really, really good. Slow pace. Yeah. But Christian Bale, man, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. No, he's good. Holy shit. See, and that's another thing. These early January movies wor worry me sometimes because yeah, I I talked about it a little bit before. James McAvoy in, in Split yeah. was probably the best acting performance I've seen all year. Mm -hmm. And not even anywhere near any awards. Yeah, it totally depends just when it he gets He played released. seven, ten different characters in that movie. Yeah. His nuances, his... Mm -hmm. yeah, he he's, was acting. He's he was... a British actor who... Not only learned an American accent, but learned a specifically Philadelphian accent because the movie yeah. takes place in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Maybe because I'm not Shyamalan, since it's a horror genre, but you can't say that because Get Out is too. But yeah. I don't know. James McAvoy, I think, was shocked. That's what a I was bit. saying about Get Out, why I was so surprised. That um, because it was so an early release. It mm -hmm. was like, I can't remember last year when it was. It was around like April or May, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was pretty early. So it goes, yeah. But you're right, you get lost. And for this year already, like, I want to see Black Panther. Yeah. Because all I've heard is just like. And I love Ryan Coogler, so... Yeah. Fruitvale Station was obviously so good. If people haven't seen it, they should. Obviously, Creed. Yeah. Like, he, he, so did su he did such a good job of, like, Rocky, and, like, that's yeah. pretty... Creed was really well done. Yeah, like, it's, it's better than about 90% of the Rocky movies, if not all of them. Like, yeah. it's... Right? First, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just done with more class, and yeah. just, like, more... Like, a lot more graceful. So, yeah, he's such a good director. I'm not surprised Marvel probably paid him... 
everything. Everything to get like a black director for the Black Panther. Yeah. I can almost guarantee you he got paid up the yin yang. And uh, yeah, Michael B. Jordan just in all his movies, yeah. all three of them so far. He's awesome too. So yeah. All right. Uh, anything else? No, that's pretty much it. Yeah, until guess. next week, we uh, it'll just be me and you next week, next, right? Me and you next week, and we'll do. Ooh. I don't know what we're gonna do yet, but we'll obviously have. Uh, we'll have an Oscar recap. recap. We'll talk about what we saw, and then yeah, we'll we can do a way too early preview. We can look at some of the twenty two movies we have sure. seen. Which ones see, we're expecting? Which one we're expecting to be good? Which ones cool. we want to see when I they like come it. out? Right, because there always is ones to look at. And we'll right? talk NBA next week. So we we'll talk NBA. Week. Yeah, the Raptors lost their first game back. Destroyed Detroit last oh, night. Oh yeah. So they're back to. I think they just had a little bit of a hangover from the yeah. All Star break. Bucks um, play them tough too, though. Yeah, I, I was worried about that Bucks yeah. matchup actually. They always play them tough. Bucks uh, and Bulls. Yeah. Okay. Till next or, week. Uh, Bucks and Heat. Sorry. Going out to uh, Adam for uh, somewhere on the island of Crete. Somewhere uh, on the island of Crete. Uh, I hope you're hanging out with Marcos that dad is somewhere <laughs> in Cyprus, making your way down there too. Sure, I bet he is. I'm sure, I bet he is. Until next week, we're back on the bench. Oh yeah, light is off.